I'm Dave Schultz. Um, my wife Tegan and I, we head up the uh, New Connections part of uh, church here. So we look after the team that welcome you in, make you feel at home. So if you've got any problems with that, you can go and talk to Tegan. Um, but uh, no, we're really proud of our team and we know we do a great job. But um, I've been asked by Pastor Bruce to uh, start a new theme for this month. Uh, the month of June leading into the financial year. So the theme that I'm going to be speaking on is a shift in your finances. And uh, we all know that finances are sort of the elephant in the room that no one really wants to talk about, particularly in church. Um, You know, it's another 20-minute tithe message or is this another conversation about how I should be giving more or not. But I just want you guys to understand that that's not where I'm coming from today. Today is about understanding how your finances actually fit into life, how this is not about your money, it's about your your attitude and it's about your attention. And I think that uh, as much as that's counterintuitive to what we think it is, um, that's what today's about. So um, one of the other things that I've always found is that when, when you find things really challenging the outcome is normally really good. And for me, this has been a really challenging uh, message to prepare. I don't know why, because I work in finance all day, every day, so it should be fairly easy, but I'm not sure what it is, but I know that God's going to be working today with people's lives because finances is one of those things that it impacts every single part of our life, whether it is we've got too much, whether we don't have enough, whether we think about it all the time. Or anything like that, I just think that money is one of those things that God wants us to have. He obviously has given us the ability to work and he wants us to be prosperous. So we need to, we need to actually understand that because today's not about whether having money is good or whether it's bad. But it's about whether you see money as the thing that actually uh, defines you as who you are. Because if we think that that's what it is, we're going to get ourselves caught because everything that we're given is a gift from God. The moment we understand that, the moment it's going to free us in terms of our finances so we can actually look to to what God's given us and understand what that is. So before I start, let's pray. Mighty God, thank you that uh, you've given us the ability to work. Thank you that you have given us finance. Thank you, God, that you have promised us blessing. And Lord, let us pray today that these aren't my words, that you speak through me and you open the ears of everyone here to hear what you have to say. Amen. Okay. So I don't know uh, if you remember back, Pastor Eric was here not long ago and uh, when he was preaching on shifting, he actually made a comment which was his definition of what shifting was and he said that shifting is a personal decision to move, not an accidental outcome. Okay, so if we're going to talk about shifting in our finances, this is something that we have to do. We can't just continue to sit in the same spot and expect things to change. But what we've got to understand is that shifting can bring good and it can bring bad depending on our attitude at the time and the decision we make when it comes to shifting. Because if if you decide to shift in a situation no matter what it is and you've actually got a bad attitude, the likely outcome is that it's not going to be as good as it could be otherwise. And on, on converse to that, if you actually shift with good intention and you've got the right motives behind what you're doing, the outcome is likely to be great. So what we're going to do is we're just going to work through a few passages in the Bible today um, and, uh, and then come to some understanding of what God's saying here. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 14 and 15. And uh, 
They should be up on the, on the screens behind me. It says, Then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain, new wine and olive oil. I will provide grass in your fields for your cattle, and you'll eat and be satisfied. Now, that's a great promise from God. And if we look back to when that was written, that was written at a time when people needed those things. But the Bible's as relevant today as it was back then. And God's going to continue to do that, and he's going to continue to provide, and he's promised that in the verse there. But if we actually look at the verse before that, we need to understand that this is the outcome of something that we have to do. We've got to actually make a shift to end up in this place here. So if we go to Deuteronomy 11, verse 13, which is the verse immediately prior to this, it says, So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then it goes on to say that you will have the grass in the field. So we can quite easily look at the blessings in the Bible and the things that are, that are spoken about, that the outcome, but there are things that we have to do. But what... What this is asking us to do is not too hard. We don't have to go and work 15 hours a day. We don't need to uh, work six or seven days a week. We don't even actually have to think about our money for those blessings to come. God's actually said that if you faithfully obey my commands that I'm giving you today, you will have what it is that you need. And that's just an amazing outcome to think that we work so hard to try and get more. And God's not about us not having more, but he's actually saying, if you just do this, then I'm going to provide with you what it is that you need. There was a, a friend uh, of mine who actually came up with a, uh, an invention. This was about four or five, or maybe a bit longer though, six or seven years ago. And the, the outcome of this was that he came up with this invention and he found a person who was going to buy it. It was the American Defence Force and they thought that this was going to be a really good thing for them. But what he'd done is he'd got a patent on it here in Australia. He'd brought those people across. They were going to buy it from him. So he actually sat back and did nothing. He sat in his, uh, in his lounge room. Um, he did all the things that he wanted to do with his hobbies. But the outcome was that the American Defence Force went and built their own exactly the same thing because he didn't have an international patent on it. Now, that's a mistake in itself if your idea is so good. But the thing here is that you can't sit back and do nothing and expect God to deliver all the time. He's not the controlling person of your bank account. He's asking us to do something. Now, this person didn't not acknowledge God in that situation, but what he did was he didn't continue to move forward and continue to try to do more for what that was that he'd actually created and he'd invented. Now, God didn't make that happen so that he would learn that lesson, but I think it's a good understanding for us to appreciate that God hasn't provided for us and expects us then to do nothing. We need to keep moving forward. We keep, need to keep working with him in our finances. We're going to look at another passage in the Bible now. Luke 12, verse 13 to 21. Now, this is a story where Jesus was talking to his disciples um, and he was having a conversation with them and he was rudely interrupted by a guy who wanted him to solve a problem for him and his brother. So uh, the... Uh, the the story goes, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Now, I'm not sure whether the emphasis was on the word man or whatever it was. But I can only imagine that if he was having a conversation with his disciples and a guy came up and said, Look, can you sort this problem out for me? 
when he wasn't really entitled to the inheritance, because that was to go to the eldest son, that he would have thought, far out, can't you see I'm having a conversation here? I know I'm Jesus and I can solve anything, but at the end of the day, I don't need to do this for you. You need to actually understand that this isn't about you, that this isn't about what it is that you think you're entitled to when you're not. Then goes on to say, then he said to them, so this is the disciples and this guy, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So what happened was that this guy had come in and he said, I just want money. I just want some of this. Um, It wasn't his. He wasn't entitled to it. But he still wanted it. He saw that there were these possessions and he, he said that he, that he needed to have some of them. So then Jesus went on and told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Okay, so this guy was already wealthy. He already had a lot. And God had blessed him with more than he could imagine. Okay, so this is over and above what he'd already been able to earn on his own. This guy thought to himself... What shall I do? I have no place to store up my crops. Okay, so at that very moment, he had um, not even recognised that this was something that he'd been provided that was over and above what it is that he was able to do in his own, uh, by his own means, that this was a provision that God had given him, which was over and above. So he, he was looking inwardly at himself and saying, well, for, this is mine. I've been able to create this. I now need to be able to go and do something with it. He then said, verse 18, this is what I'll do. I'll tear de- I'll, I will tear, tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. So this guy continues to go on thinking to himself that this is all about him, that this is his uh, uh, harvest that he'd been able to generate, that it wa- he wasn't recognising that this is coming from God. And I think it's very easy for us to be able to go through situations and not think to ourselves what is it that God's actually giving to us and what is it that we've been able to generate ourselves? And I was talking to um, uh, uh, Dion just out the front earlier on and um, I was, we had to hit a golf on uh, Friday and I was driving home with Simon and so Dion had told Simon this story about how he'd been offered uh, the opportunity maybe to look at another job and that it was going to pay him some more. But the situation isn't around whether Dion gets paid anymore or not because Simon made the comment to me that the guy who offered him the job said, I've been watching you and I've been actually seeing what you've done up here in the Adelaide Hills since you've moved here. And the provision from God is not so much in the money necessarily that might come, but it's in what is seen in Dion here and for all of us as we're seen as being people who have influence and ability which is far beyond what it is that we actually can earn. Um, Verse 19, he said, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink and be merry. Okay? Now it's very easy to get into that situation and we deal with people all day every day and Philwood as well as a financial planner is all people want to do is save up as much superannuation or asset as they can so that when they stop work, it's all about them. But the people that I've always found who achieve the most in their outcome when it comes to retiring are those that actually have a goal to do something with that other than just live on it themselves. The people who actually say, I want to pay the school fees for my grandkids or I want to be able to give money somewhere or I want to be able to volunteer and do something are those people who will always get to the end where they need to 
where the people who only want to go and try and get a certain amount of money are the ones that find it very hard because their motivation is wrong. Verse 20. But God said to this guy, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it is with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Okay, now this was a parable. But when you read that last verse, verse 21, it says, whoever stores up. Now, whoever isn't that guy in the story, whoever is all of us. And it's really important to understand that God is speaking back then through Jesus in a parable to us today about storing things up and not being rich towards God because it's very easy to be self-centered around your money. I'm trying to pay my mortgage off. I'm trying to earn a little bit more to go on a holiday or whatever it might be. And we need to do that as well. But with the wrong motivation and not uh, giving our glory to God in these situations, he's going to find it very hard. It's easy to squander money. And it's not just people who've got lots of money who are the ones that get caught up in this. There are plenty of people who don't have too much money who might turn up to your barbecue and when they leave, take their beer with them because they'd actually need to keep this for maybe the next barbecue that they're going to go to because things might be a bit tight. Now, that's okay, but wealthy people, people with less can be selfish, but they can also be generous as well. So we've got to be conscious of um, looking at this and thinking, well, this could be in relation to me. It's not just... Um, the guys who own Microsoft or Facebook who've got all of this money, it's actually each and every one of us who can get caught up with the wrong attitude. So what does it look like to be rich towards God? First, it means that we need to be thankful to God for his blessings. Okay, we've got to, we've got to look to God in every single situation and say thank you. I mean, whether that be the fact we've just been able to wake up in the morning or whether it is we've been able to do a job or, or be able to help somebody is a really important thing. We just saw a video uh, of the guys in Fiji. Now, th those people in Fiji are so thankful for the effort that we put in. It's not a great amount of money that we even spend to go and build a house over there. And you, you, you just are amazed every day at the thankfulness that they have for what it is that we're able to do. Secondly, uh, to be rich towards God, it means stewardship that returns God's portion to God. Okay? If we've been given something, God's actually asked us to give something back. He's asked us to give back through tithing. He's also asked us to give back through being generous to other people. And thirdly, it means being generous to our neighbor, but also to our enemy. We've been asked to do that. Okay, so we've got some, a blessing from God. The hardest thing I find is to give it to somebody who I don't really like. Now, I might not give them money. I might give them some of my time. But it's, uh, it, we've been asked to do it to everybody. It's not just to the people that we like. It's not just to the people who we get on well with. So what's wrong with building up bigger barns? What's wrong with building places to store what it is that you've been able to generate? What is it with putting your money into your superannuation or investments to get yourself to a point when you're not earning an income, you're actually able to leave, uh, to live. Well, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, that's, I mean, we wouldn't have a job if people weren't actually doing that. But this is actually about saying there's nothing wrong with doing that other than having the wrong motivation and the wrong priority in your mind when you go about doing that. The farmer, if we go back to the farmer in the parable, 
All he was about was I, me, my crops, my barns. I will store it up for me because I want to eat, live and be merry. But all he thought about was himself. Me, myself and I were the only three people that he thought about. He didn't think at any time, or it wasn't referenced in this story, any time about his family, his friends, the community that he was part of, the fact that God even gave him this blessing over and above what he was being able to do for himself. So he was certainly self-absorbed in everything that he was doing. So how do things look for us if we get preoccupied with money over generosity? We go back to the Bible here because it actually explains it as well. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Again, this is shortly after the passage we read just before. It says, Be careful or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down before them. Okay, so he wants his attention, God wants his, our attention on him. He doesn't want it on other gods. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain. The ground will not yield any produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you, which is the complete opposite to what he said two verses ago prior to this. It also says if we go uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 and 19, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So he wants us to work. He just doesn't want us to be preoccupied with money that comes from that work. Goes on to say, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and bow down before them, things such as money or the love of money, I'll testify you against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Now, that's strong words, destroyed. And, uh, and I think that it, it's not the definition that we think about destroyed. I think the outcome of this is that if we're motivated by what... Uh, uh, by what we can generate, if we're motivated by what we can earn and we don't have attention on God, then the outcome will be that we don't get the things that we're actually looking to achieve. Okay, God's not, it's not destroyed, is not we will die because of that, but we won't have the things that God actually wants us to have. The blessings actually come from acknowledging him. They don't come from acknowledging ourselves and our own ability and what we can actually do. Hebrews 13 verse 5, keep your eyes free from the love of money, okay? So it's not saying uh, money's bad, saying that the love of money is bad. And be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So if we're happy with what we've got, God has said he will always be by our side, okay? And never is never. Um, it's not, I'll be by your side some of the time and not the rest of the time. It is, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And it's very easy to, to hear those words, but it's very hard sometimes to accept those words when you're actually going through life. When things are tough, when things are difficult, how is it that you can actually continue to move forward knowing that God is on your side and that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you? So what about tithing? Okay, so this is, uh, this is the bit that can be challenging sometimes because there's so many different views on tithing and according to John, different ways of spelling it. Um, but a tithe is a tenth, okay? So if you all hold both of your hands up in front of your face, 
and you just put one finger down, then you've still got nine. Okay? And it doesn't look too different, does it? Other than the fact there's one finger down. So God is actually saying, I want you to have almost all of it. I'm only asking for a small amount. And the important thing is to understand is that it is only a small amount. And if we do believe and we do understand that God will bless us, then that 10% actually comes back 10 times over. And I've got plenty of stories of that. We had um, some people over for dinner last night who had started up a little business and uh, things were going reasonably well for them, but they, they just thought, look, we're going to start tithing the income from this business. And within, or I think it would have been the next order that they got for the, uh, for the things that they were selling, it was the biggest order that they'd ever had. Now, you think to yourself, oh, well, that's just lucky the order was going to come in anyway. But we can't look at it like that. We've got to look at that, that they tithed and they were provided for on the back of that. What an awesome, what an awesome situation. And I know that there's plenty of other people who would have those same stories. It says in Malachi 3.10, which is the go-to verse for tithing. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Okay? So this isn't God saying, bring money into my house so that I've got money. He's saying, bring money into the house so there'll be food in my house. Now, if we look at what the church is for, the church isn't to collect and gather money, even though there's some den denominations of church that might look like that's the case. But this is about having food in the house. Now, the food in the house is actually to be there as a provision. It's there to be as a support for the people who actually come in. This is not about growing the bank account or paying off the loan. This is about supporting it's also, it says, bring the whole tithe. Okay, it doesn't say bring it if you can. It says bring the whole tithe. Now, the tithe isn't about a certain amount. There's not a minimum tithe. that has to be $100 a week. It's 10% of what it is that you've been able to earn. Now, if that's not much, then your 10% is not as big as it would be if you were able to earn a whole lot. So he's saying bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He then goes on to say, test me in this, says the Lord God. Now, I actually started my notes a little while ago, and Emily, for those who were here last week, she did a tithe message and said that you spell tithe, T-R-U-S-T. And it, it's so relevant because when he says, test me in this, that isn't a dare. Okay, It's not like I dare you to go and try and do this because it might work out for you. What he's saying is, I know the answer. Okay, I know the answer, but because you can't see it yet, you've got to trust me. Okay? So, so test me in this as much as it might sound to us like it is a challenge and it is a, I dare you to, it's not that. It, it's that we can trust him. It then goes on to say, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be not, there will not be room enough to store it. Now, if we go back to this farmer, he had enough to fill up some big barns, but he had to knock them down and build some bigger ones. So there was a limit to what it was that he'd been given. But if you tithe and he opens up the floodgates of heaven, there will not be enough room to store it, which means the farmer's barns weren't big enough. And all we're doing is giving away a tenth 
because we've been asked to. He never said also that he would only open up the floodgates once. Okay? He said, if you tithe and trust me, test me in this, I will open up the floodgates of heaven. Now, that means that those floodgates will stay open. It doesn't mean that they will only open once. Now, you might not see the, the outcome of those floodgates all the time, but there are periods of time in your life where you will see that those blessings come at a far greater rate than you've ever seen them before. But how can we have confidence in that? We can turn up to church, times are tough, we need to put petrol in the car, we need to go out for lunch. I'm not sure if I can afford to do that. I remember as a kid, um, my mum and dad would give me 20 cents and I'd have it tied in the corner of my hanky and I'd have to go into church and we used to put the offering in in Sunday school so I never put the offering in Sunday school when a friend and I would sneak out about 10 minutes prior to Sunday school finishing, go to the pub over the road and play Space Invaders and... <laughs> The, um, then we'd get back in time just so mum and dad thought that we were there the whole time. But God... Sorry? <laughs> it was in the 70s, Georgia. No one supervised anyone. Um, but, but God knows whether we're putting it in or not. Now, I can't recall whether that little bit of money meant I didn't get a blessing or not because I was only as old as Hayden at the point in time. But... When I look at it now and think, God knows whether I'm putting that in or not. He knows whether I am. And whether we've got enough money or whether we haven't got enough money, there's stories we could, we, there's heaps of stories here where people have put something in, it's their last little bit of money, and something's happened that afternoon. I mean, God does this, He opens the floodgates of heaven over us all the time. And what I want to do now is I want to get the music team back up because I'm going to show a short video. Okay, now. This video is, an, is a, a sort of an example of what happens when you tithe, okay? And what I want you to do is, while this video is playing, the, the music team are going to be singing a song, so there's, you need to watch the video and listen to what they're doing. But also I want you to actually think about your financial situation now, the things that are challenging you, the things that are holding you back in your own mind, those things where you think, look, I've been tithing or I've been giving, but I'm not seeing anything come back to me. And I want you to actually be praying while this is happening because God's going to move today. He's got, he's got the power to change anything in our lives at any time that we want. And if we're tithing, and if you're not tithing, I reckon you should because it's, it says in the Bible that it's a good thing to do. And when you see this video here, you'll see the outcome of what that can be. So think about those things, pray about them in your minds because things will change, things will break off us today, there'll be things that happen next week that we will look at and know that that happened right here today. So, so watch this video, it only goes for about a minute and a half and um, just spend some time with God because this is an important moment today. So that's just... That's just a picture or a video of some floodgates. And if we've only had to give up 10% to get that, it's an amazing situation that we find ourselves in that God will bless us more than we can ask or imagine. Such a small investment for such a big outcome. But God will provide. And it's important to understand that when God provides, 
We don't need to increase our spending. We need to increase our giving. So what is it that we can take away today to go in to the rest of this year knowing that we've had a shift in our finances? We need to check our attitude to our finances. How do we focus on that? Do we focus on it as a, a thing we've got to worry about? Or is it something that controls our lives? Or is it another thing that, that is just part of God's great plan for our life? We need to be generous. How generous are you? Are we generous with everything? Or are we, gener- are we only generous with some things? And we need to tithe. God's promised that he will provide. Just like that picture there of those floodgates, he will provide. So making a shift in your finances is not about the money. It's about refocusing on him. And the thing today that's important to understand is that if we don't have a relationship with God, it's going to be very hard for us to focus on him rather than our money. And today, what I want to say is while we're just listening to this music, while our eyes are shut, while our heads are bowed, that if you aren't in a situation where you know God today, you don't know whether if you were to pass away that you were going to go to heaven, that you're battling with things like your finances, you're battling with things in life that just don't make sense, that if you're in that situation, whether you've never known who God is or whether you've walked away and you need to come back to him now, if there is anyone in this room who's in that situation, I just ask you to put your hand up. This is not an embarrassing situation where you need to come down the front. This is just a chance for you to recognise with God what it is that he's done for you, what it is that he can do for you. So if there's anyone here, just quickly put your hand up. Thank you, God. The next uh, thing I want to say is if there are people here who are in a situation financially where they're finding things really tough, where they're looking for a breakthrough, where they want to take the next step financially into a place where they are far more free and not being challenged all the time by not being able to make their bills, pay their bills or anything, that if there's anyone here, just pray. We'd love to pray for you. Just put your hand up if you're in that situation or you need some prayer around your finances. Mighty God, thank you today for everything that you've done for us. Thank you that you've been able to provide for each and every one of us in such a way that we've got more than we, more than we need, Father. Lord, we know that you are the provider. We know that you are who we should focus on. And Lord, today, I just pray for each and every person here. We pray that you will just continue to bless us, continue to pour your favour out on us, Lord. And as we come to you every Sunday or every day that we know that you are the provider. In your name, amen.